welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Good morning once again. Welcome to Amazing Love. And um, I just love fall here. And it reminds me of being in certain seasons. And I just I think it's a good season to be at Amazing Love. I don't know about you. I think I'm glad that I'm at this place at this time in my walk here on earth. And I just believe God is up to, do, to good things. So welcome, welcome. And I want to start off by saying I think it is so easy, it is so easy to get discouraged. It doesn't take anything. In fact, uh, let, let's bring up a situation that is maybe more uh, on one side of the gender issue. Uh, let's talk, ladies, let's talk about going to a salon and doing anything with your hair, okay? Now, now you could have just got it done, you know, you didn't cut anything, but you got it done. You, you could have dyed it. You could have done the drastic thing of when it goes from long to really short. And most people with sense will tell you, man, that looks amazing. I mean, sorry, girl, that looks amazing, you know. Um, work it, girl, like awesome, never look better, you know. Just great stuff. And those are the nice people, those are the common people. The hoi polloi will always, you know, try to recognize you got a hair done and it looks great. But it just takes that one person, doesn't it? That one person to say, oh, see you got a haircut. And then they say nothing else, right? Or then we live in a funny day and age where people are using a word with a different connotation. If someone really wants to give you a low blow, they'll call it interesting. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think this is the connotation. If anyone's ever used the word interesting, I really don't like it, but I don't want to tell it to your face. So passive aggressively, I chose this word. That's interesting. Now, man, I'm not sure we care about as much about our hair. Maybe there's some. I don't know. But I think when it comes to us, it's about if someone gave off the impression that if you were a real man, you would have done it a little bit bigger, a little bit better. You know, if you, you can come up to the adult table someday. Like, let's say, talk about carving pumpkins. Maybe you're just displaying how, you know, you carved a pumpkin with your children, and you had a pumpkin, and it was great, and it worked out, and there, there's your pumpkin, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, that is a great pumpkin, man. I just did this on the weekend, you know. You know those guys? You know where you build a tree house? Yeah, I built one, too. Maybe someday you can sit at the adult table, Right? And I was just reflecting how, how common the experience of a discouragement is, and, and especially when you're children. Something about being a kid, it's just, it's easy to get down as a kid. I still remember one time I was listening to my mama's directions. My mama told me to do two things when I was growing up. It was to read your Bible and to go running. I still do those same things. One is still working. But anyway, um, <laughs> and I remember in fourth grade going running, and I was running to the gas station by a candy bar, so it was kind of counterproductive. But anyway, and um, I was at my Husky stage, and I remember just this gang of kids on their bikes, and I couldn't run fast enough to get away from them, who just, well, they tore me down. Said some things that I won't repeat here, and it stuck with me, right? And I relate that because you know what that's like, don't you? You've been there. We all have. And, and we have learned experientially this point. That one word can either tear us down or build us up. 
That, that one person, you can have a myriad of good things going on, a myriad of good things, and there's that one person, that one word that just sticks in your mind and blows it all up. And so we're in this series called The Space Between Us. And the idea is that no matter who you walk with, there's going to be a hurt. There's going to be an imperfection. They might say something or do something. And you think of the space that is created when someone says a discouraging word, negativity, a careless word, an air of superiority. Whereas if we choose to build each other up, it's like going on the offensive. It's like answering the issue of space before it ever happens. It is making sure they know how much we think about them, how much they, we care about them, before that space ever happens. And even if a space is created, we have said so many good things to build them up. So let's talk about being encouragers today. And we're going to go to God's word for this. And uh, I want to welcome you if you're not a Christian or if you're just joining us or joining us online. And, um, and, and a lot of these directives, um, well, maybe you can cop out of. Um, because first of all, right now, if you're new to Christ, we just want you to know Jesus. We just want you to know how good he is. Um, but for us who believe in God, uh, we're going to consider God's word. And, and one of the things I believe about the God that we follow is that he's an encouraging God. I, I really believe that. That yes, he's true with our faults. We can't escape what we've done. But he also is true with forgiveness and to lift us up. You read the book and it's all about a, a victory, a win. We know how the story ends, right? So God is an encouraging God. I consider the Bible and there is one person known particularly for being an encourager. He walked with a man named Paul and Paul was a super apostle. He, he, he shared the word like no one else. He wrote most of the New Testament but he had an encourager in his life. Does anyone know his name? Barnabas, yeah, the son of encouragement. He was given an encourager for his walk. I wonder if we need encouragement too. I wonder if we could be those Barnabases today. That's our goal. And I believe what a pastor said, that, that one of the most spiritual things you can do is bring a word of encouragement because our God is an encouraging God. So let's get into God's word for us. And may it inspire us and direct us. It's from uh, 1 Thessalonians. Paul writes to the Christians in Thessalonica. It's under the inspiration of, the, uh, of God, the Holy Spirit. And so we just hear his word. Um, we'll just read the whole section there. It says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breast, breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you, or even warn you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one pays back wrong for wrong, but strive always to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. These are the words before us, and we get to hunker down and really consider what it is to encourage. May God bless us. Never, ex never forget an experience I had as a young preacher. The first sermon I ever did, I probably preached 70 times. Still remember the theme. The king invites you. Are you going to go and what are you going to wear? 
I remember preaching it in a country church in Toma, Wisconsin. And there it was about a group of 30. And after I preached, uh, an elderly gentleman approached me and he gave me a horse illustration. And I always love a good horse illustration. I don't know about you. And he said that uh, sometimes when horses are coming off a trailer, before they do a thing, you know that they're going to be a good racehorse. And then he said, I know just by looking right now, you're going to be a good preacher. Now that was an encouraging word. That one stuck with me. That was a person who believed in me before I ever believed in myself. And I have to confess how much it was needed at the time because it's terrifying trying to tell people about God for God. You know what I'm saying? But he believed in me. Dear friends, I believe we're all like that scared young preacher. We are all in the need of encouragement, aren't we? And I consider the situation in Thessalonica. Let me explain a little bit. The Christians there were under heavy persecution only because they followed Jesus. Um, we think it was somewhat physical. They were the largest city in, in Macedonia, Thessalonica, and there were Gentile Christians who were under persecution because they did it a little bit differently, because they believed in Jesus as Savior. And it could have been physical, could have been emotional, could have affected their business. And because of all of the battles without the church, when they came together, they needed to build one another up. Because of all the battles they were facing without the church, when they came together, they couldn't afford to battle within. They needed to encourage. I wonder how much that relates to the church today. Is it getting easier to be a Christian in the United States or harder? Yeah. Are there more anti-Christian sentiments today than there are uh, for Christian sentiments? I think so. Which means we're in a similar period that we better be sure when we come together in this place, when we come together in this place, we do all we can to build one another. There's enough battles we face that we don't need more battles here, but rather we're going to be intentional to encourage one another. I consider also what it is to walk with God for a while. And a common experience is had if you've ever walked with Jesus, and especially if you've ever served Jesus to a high degree. If you've ever served Jesus to a high degree, let's say you really went for it as a volunteer. Let's say you really went for it in a certain ministry. Let's say you really went for it today just to be here. You will come to a precipice of discouragement. Because as much as you do, the devil will always be right there. And this is his word. The word he puts into all of our ears, I know this experientially, is this. Effort for Jesus isn't worth it. Wasn't worth it for you to show up today. Don't you know that NFL is starting games at 9 now? Great, thanks. Wasn't worth it to try, you know, did you see what happened? It didn't, didn't go as planned, did it? What difference are you making? They're up to the same things before you ever met. The devil is right there trying to get us often and always to quit what we're doing, to stop advancing, to tell us it's not worth it. And that is why it is so important for us to hear a word, for us to be lifted up, for us to see the forest of the trees and know where this is all leading. And so I want to encourage you, my friends, because we work together. I want to share some words of encouragement based on these words. And the, and the first thing I want to share with you is verse 9. Look at verse 9. We need to, you came to, to the Lord's house just to hear this. Verse 9, you need to know God did not appoint you. He did not appoint us to suffer wrath. But you have been appointed to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know, you need to remember what you've been appointed for. 
And, and this kind of reminds me of like speaking into your future. Like if you've ever done like fortune telling, I don't, I don't, don't do fortune telling. But I'm a fortune teller because I've used this thing, not a crystal ball. And I've used this thing to tell you, I know the day that's coming for you. And it's a day when all the suffering is gone. And it's a day that death is dead forever. And that there is only life and life in abundance. There is a day when your fear and anxiety will cease. And you'll be overwhelmed with peace and joy. There is a day when you will see Jesus face to face and you will hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. There is a day when we will be mixed in the multitude of people who praise Jesus and have only good all the time because that is the existence. Do you know that day is coming for you? Do you know how the story ends? We need to remember that day. And here I would say, even if you're don't consider yourself a Christian watching online, just visiting. Do you know this day is for you too? It really is. Because Jesus, when he gave his life on the cross, he didn't just die for the people at Amazing Love. He died for everyone. So that all who would come to him would know that day is there. That day of salvation is theirs. That day of, of goodness without ending. That is all of ours as a gift of Jesus. And the reason you need to remember that and be reminded of that is because we believe the other. The verse said, he didn't appoint you to suffer wrath. And I wonder how many times we're just wondering, God, I, I'm probably appointed to suffer wrath, aren't I? Probably am, right? You know, I'm feeling guilty again. God, I came here with shame. It's, it, wrath for me, isn't it? That's my path. Wrath is my path, right? And you know, that's where I'm going, right? And it's good to be true with your sin. It's good to recognize what that deserved. One of the things we should recognize today is how many times maybe we've been discouraging. It's good to understand how our influence sometimes has negatively affected others. But today is the day to remember we've been forgiven. Wrath was paid once and for all. You don't need to pay it. Remember the day you've been appointed for. You are forgiven through Jesus. There's something else we need to remember. Look at verse 10. So it says, He died for us, suffering wrath for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. The word of encouragement is this. You need to remember who walks with you. You need to remember this. This was huge for my family because they live in Florida. They were watching that hurricane come, Hurricane Matthew, a Category 4 with over 100 mile per hour winds. And yet even though that was scary, even though that was daunting, they know who walked with them. And it was amazing how God, it seems, answered some incredible prayers. Because that hurricane seemed devastating, but it didn't do much devastating. And God was with them the whole time. In fact, one of my favorite Facebook posts, um, something to this, don't tell God how big the storm is, but tell the storm how big your God is. Because the God who walks with you is bigger than anything you face. Whether it's a literal Category 4 hurricane or a metaphorical one, doesn't matter. And I've come to tell you, I don't know what you're facing. You might feel alone. You might be an empty nester for the first time. You might be going off to college. You might be misunderstood and ostracized at your work. You might want a significant other and don't have it right now. You might just feel lonely. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. That God has always been with you. That God gets you and understands you completely. And I love what, what made me laugh is that I love, it doesn't matter if we're alive or dead. 
doesn't matter if you're awake or asleep, I'm going to walk with you. You're never alone. I think even more so when we die. That's how truly God walks with us. So for no other reason we've came. Remember the day that's coming and remember who walks with you. These are the ways God has encouraged us. But now I want to give specific encouragement if you're part of this church body. I want to give some specific. But first I have to change your frame. I have to change your frame. I have to change your frame. To change your frame, it reminds me of kind of this childhood toy. Does anyone remember playing with these? Yeah, they're view masters, right? Pretty sweet, you know, before virtual reality. This is as virtual reality we got, you know. Um, <laughs> you look into it and all you see was a picture. And I think I have my, my finger on how we encourage people today. Here's the picture of how we encourage today, what we do to encourage. And, and, and to think of the people that we encourage, I just want to point out what's going on. There is the MLB postseason. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Right? And I just want you to consider how nuts would we go if the Cubs win the World Series? And I know Sox fans, you'd, you'd probably smile. Come on. I mean, the whole city would go nuts. In my neighborhood, there'd be fireworks for like the next month. Right? You know, it's just uh, whenever there's a random firework, I just say, well, the Blackhawks won, you know? Because <laughs> I, I think they're just. Anyway, and so you just know people go crazy, right? Or consider we live in this culture. What if this man would walk in those doors? What if he was sitting right here? How would we feel? You'd have a hard time paying attention to Jesus, wouldn't you? You would. Because he's a good guy. He might be the MVP. We don't know. But, but, but this is what we usually praise. We praise the Rizzos and the Bryants. And, and we praise a World Series. And we would go nuts over it. And I'm just saying that the lens that we're on, I believe, has a disparity of praise. I don't think we're seeing the world rightly. I just don't. He hits a ball. All he does. He's not changing the world through politics. He will not win the Nobel Peace Prize. He is hitting a ball. Okay? And we know what it is to encourage and give praise and attention. And like, please sign and know my life is made because I met you. And, and, and there's just a disparity of praise going on. So we need to go back to this thing. And can you just say click with me? Click. We need a new frame. Here's the new one, verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, the works of God, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. This is talking about seeing the work of God and the works of God through his people as they are. And if I translate verse 13 literally, this was the literal translation. Hold them above excessively in unconditional love. The word was agape. Maybe some of you have heard of it. That's what he's talking about in verse 13. If I have unconditional love, it should be for those who serve my spiritual needs. Now, this is a little awkward because I'm a pastor. Okay? And nothing in this is self-serving. In fact, I didn't write this. But I, I do a better job considering the pastors you've ever had or consider the pastors that are coming after who will be far better, by the way. But these people who serve our faith life, who are concerned with eternal matters, when we consider those works, they are to be highly esteemed and highly praised. And because this isn't self-serving, I just want to say I'm not the only laborer here, am I? 
I have worked for seven or eight years with people who have given to so many different efforts on so many different levels, and I just want to call out and tell you what I see and call out and tell you the true value of what we have done together. We cannot afford to not see things the way they are. And so in these moments, I just want to encourage you by some specific things that if you are a part of Amazing Love, and, and I'm going to talk about members for just a little bit, but, but there are many members here. Um, welcome guests again. I just need to talk about some specifics that I see in you to encourage you, okay? One of the first things I've been just geeked out to see is that, sorry, not that. This is talking about trophies, that we're getting trophies in heaven, but let me get to this point. You display love without boundaries. I don't know how many people I've talked to who have told me this is just a warm and a friendly environment. This is just a place where I've been loved on. And there are a few people who, whose names come up many times and, and, and maybe you know who they are and who, who you are. But I just think that we have done what this is to love people regardless. And that makes a huge impact. Last week I spoke that the goal is really to look everyone in the eye and say the same price Jesus paid for me is what he paid for you. Now how can I help you? And I just want you to know that love is making a difference. That love is the true heart of God. Because the honest reality is before they ever hear of God's love from us, they see it in us. Continue to love without boundary. The next thing that I want to encourage you with was hard to articulate. But let me put it this way. I had this experience over and over where I would do something wrong or I would say something wrong. It could be a typo in the worship folder, something on the slide. It could be just something ridiculous that I said. It could be the sound issue. I don't know what it is. But over and over, instead of anyone getting real up in arms about what happened, no one said anything. They just let it go. They just let it be. And, and I was trying to think of a word to describe this, and, and, and the word to describe this that came to mind was, was patience. You have a gracious patience. And it isn't that we don't want to get better here. In fact, we do want to get better. We believe God deserves our best. But when we have fireballs on Christmas Eve, none of you got really mad about that. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thankful. Sorry, I had to be there. Anyway, um, <laughs> because you understand what this is all about. I just want you to know I see such patience in you. You know what it is to bear with people who are works in progress, and that is such an encouraging environment to be a part of because no one's there yet. Thank you. Another thing that I see and just geeked out about is you're carrying the mission collectively. One of my favorite conversations happened this past week at our leadership team meeting, and just after the Bible study, people were saying, I have this person in mind, how do I reach out to them? They went to church, but what can I do because it didn't seem to take... Or, or there's this person who, who doesn't seem to need God's grace, what do I say? Or this this person who seems beyond God's grace and just filled with shame, what do I say, what do I reach? And, and, and this, this conversation has been had myriads of times where people have said, Pastor, I've invited them and they came. Or Pastor, I care about what's happening. Or Pastor, how do I share my faith this way? Over and over this has been reduplicated to, to just let everyone know we're not carrying this mission alone, but together. And that's good because when God said, go and make disciples, he wasn't just talking to pastors, was he? But to the universal priesthood. And so what is our mission? Can you say it with me? We are here to reach the lost with the love of Christ. And I see it in you. I see it in you. The final thing I want to touch on 
And this is amazing. This is a hard one. This is a good feat. You allow change without contention. Now, how hard is personal change? Really hard, right? You ever move? <laughs> Do you know change in the church is even harder? Yeah. And, and in fact, there's even a joke about this. I, I hate those church jokes, but I'm going to tell you one. Um, <laughs> Do you know how many Lutherans it takes to uh, change a light bulb? Have you heard this one? How many Lutherans it takes to change a light bulb? None. Because they don't believe in change. <laughs> and I just want you to know, I am, I'm just so excited that you have broken the paradigm of that bad joke. I'm just so excited about that. And, and here is what I know. I know that this is probably not the style of church you grew up in as a Wells Lutheran. If you grew up Wells Lutheran, of which I did, this is not the style you grew up in. Am I right? But here's my promise. The teachings that you grew up with will never change. And they must not change and they cannot change. Because God all of a sudden doesn't change his mind. But the idea that you have allowed certain changes to happen because we were on a mission makes us what I believe to be a healthy church. Makes us what I believe to be not consumeristic Christians, but selfless Christians asking a bigger question of how can we reach those who don't know Jesus. And I know it hasn't been easy. And I know it asks more of us than others. But I tell you, this is healthy and this is good. Because the Son of Man, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, Paul gave us a paradigm for outreach, a paradigm that I think we're trying to answer. The paradigm for outreach was this. I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Do you think that took some change? I think it probably did. And this paradigm for outreach, I think God has blessed. In fact, we're looking at moving to two services in the new, near future. Why? Because these services get filled up. You've been to one, haven't you? And we are reaching new people with the gospel. God has blessed his outreach paradigm. And I thank you for that. So I wanted to pause and just say, keep it up. And I see it. And it's a privilege to work with you. And if you've ever served the Lord and you, you thought, maybe this isn't worth it, I want to give you just one last passage. If you're serving the Lord at Amazing Love here, we just need to plaster this all over our walls, all over our life. This passage, it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown as you have helped his people and continue to help him. See, I don't know if your work is worthy any other environment, but when you come to this place, Everything is sacred and everything is seen and everything is collected by our true Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you've ever served, you've known the process. It, it leads you to believe that there is one true love in your world and it is Jesus. So now, how do we encourage one another? How do we encourage one another? Let's look at verse 11 before we go. Verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Now, the, the, the illustration for Encourage reminds me of the Chicago Marathon. Um, if you're at the Chicago Marathon, which is going on today, you can cheer people on and say, keep it up and high-five them, keep going. That is the picture of encouragement. In the Greek, it literally means I'm going to stand alongside and call out something. I'm going to say, keep it up, keep going, you're doing it, you're going to make it. When we get to this place, we just say, keep it up, keep going, you're doing it, you can make it. And one of the ways that we can do this is by building each other up. That Greek word had this idea of building a house, building each other up. Build up people as you build a house. And I thought of all the tools you needed to build a house. 
And then I was thinking of the tools you need to build up people. And here are a few things that you could do to build up people. First, build them up by prayer. That before you ever say a word, before you have an ever interaction, you're praying for them. So that might build them up. Lord, bless my actions and bless my attitudes. What's something else we can do to build others up? How about this? Give specific ongoing praise. Now, this is not talking about flattery. Flattery is not necessary. It isn't. And the reason it's not necessary is because God has placed in each one something very good. And when you identify that specific good in someone, you cannot afford not to say it. Consider this proverb. Solomon said, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. It's almost better if you saw what was wrong and spoke to that than if you see what's right and never speak it. Does that make sense? So when you see something good in someone, you need to give life to those thoughts. You need to speak what is in your head and encourage them based on the specific good that that you see. And the reason we need to do this is because we don't have enough time to take each other for granted. We don't have enough time to take each other for granted. I don't know how long I walk with you. You don't know the same either. I don't know how long Jesus is going to be before he comes again. There is not enough time to take each other for granted, my friends. It reminds me of sometimes we just know certain good in people and, and, and we say, oh, well, well, that's just how they are. You know, you must have never met them. That's just what they do. They're just like crazy nice and they're crazy generous and they're crazy good. I'm just saying if there's anyone like that, we're just, oh, that's just how they are. We should tell them that's how they are all the time. We should never be sick of saying, I just think you are a crazy, loving person. I just think you are a crazy, generous person. I just think you are a crazy, kind person. And when our actions and attitudes and words are filled with these kind of things, we build one another up. We do not have enough time to take one another for granted. And finally, build others up with a spiritual word. Tie it back to our Savior. When you're with your kids, don't just tell them they're good at a sport. Tell them God gave you that gift. Now how are you going to give them glory? When you're talking to your Christian friends, tell them, I see God put into you. Or God has used you to. Or get it back to the promises of our God. You're feeling lonely. Do you know you're not alone? You're scared about tomorrow. Don't worry. There is a brighter day coming. Do you know the day you're appointed for? And that brighter day can shine through the darkest day. Let us use these spiritual words to encourage one another. And may we build each other up. Now let me pray for you. We pray. Heavenly Father, you are an encouraging God because you have spoken life and peace over my life through Jesus and his sacrifice. Thank you for washing me clean putting good in me through your spirit and for making use of me. Use me now, Lord, to build up people around me, perhaps in the most significant way by sharing Jesus' work on the cross, but in other ways as well, as I see you work in them and through them. Let me call it out to encourage them, all for your glory as we stay close to you and your kingdom comes through us and to us. In Jesus' name, amen.